Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 257th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Good morning, Cameron. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well. Um, I'm about to leave on another trip. Where are you going this time? We're going to Canada. Niagara Falls area. Cool. Did Buffalo, you, New York area. You know, you could have just stayed up there. You know, Montana, Canada, it's all kind of the same We thing. were, when we were in Montana, we were about 45-minute drive from Canada. But, but probably like about thousands of miles from where you're going to be going? About a 20-hour drive from where we're going to be this time. So It's a lot of land up there. We got some family way out west. We got some family way out east. And for whatever reason... My immediate families decided we needed to see them all this summer. Yeah, there's some kind of cool, unique places to have family. Yeah. So, I don't know, my mom and dad trying to like one-up each other and be like, well, we're going to go further away for this trip. You're going to do the, uh, the old Maid of the Mist? We did that last time we were up there, and we'll see. There's We've got almost a two-year-old. My sister has a three- and a two-year-old. That's going to dictate a lot of what the activities are on this trip. So we'll see. We are going to take the train into Toronto, and I kind of want to go to like an art museum or something. Mm-hmm. Sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go up in the, the tower. There's a big tower. You stand over the glass, look down. All the people look like ants. All mm. the cars look like ants. And you think about like what happens if this glass breaks. Exactly. Yeah. Could I? What happens if I just... You know, so, like maybe fell a little you bit. Just have those thoughts, you know. Yeah. It's fun, yeah, fun stuff. Um, yeah. So th- we are recording this week our offense preview, and we're recording a little bit early since I'm going to be out of town. So this is going to be delayed a little bit. So if there's any huge breaking news, could be a little bit of a disconnect there. I think there's going to be some huge breaking news. Um, yes, but. It'll be after our normal rec- uh, rec- recruiting time, recording time. Somewhere in there. Got re- recruiting on my mind. Somewhere in those dark days of not recording for a while. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we are going to give you a little uh, update on recruiting. We're going to preview the offense for Mizzou football. Before we do all of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a review wherever you listen to us. And you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Um, Williams Winery is committing. We're pretty positive. August fourteenth, I believe it became official yesterday. Wow! And has anything changed? It's he was talking to Clint Cosgrove, I believe is his name, from Rivals in an interview, and he mentioned that he made his decision like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Which, if you think about what happened a couple weeks ago, was when Coach Drinkwitz and like all the football coaches were going crazy on Twitter. And the Cardinals fans got mad. With, yes, like with like the W yep. GIFs and like the fire emojis and like saying like buckle up and stuff like that. So that seems to bode pretty well for maybe predicting Winery to Missouri. Yeah. Okay. So now. I'm, my heart is committed to him coming to Missouri. And it's going to be really bad if he doesn't. Well, that's that's his fault now. He's, yeah. he's, he's put enough out there where it's, 
It's out of our hands, man. I'll blame anybody. If this goes bad... <laughs> You'll be looking for somebody to... Yes. ...to be mad at. Well, he's going to be making a lot of money through NIL pretty early on, and it's just tough to pass up, man. So It, it has been so entertaining watching the uh, Oklahoma message board posters oh that uh, we've been seeing on Twitter and stuff. They're, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And just uh, Mizzou fans out there, just keep that in mind. You know, do you want to be that person when things aren't going well for you? No, let <laughs> Oklahoma do that. It's truly let am- Arkansas do that. It's truly amazing that I I started to feel like Missouri is like really winning this recruiting battle when I started to see the Oklahoma fans coping. Yes. and it's like it's like seeing them realizing it's like slipping away. It was like, wait, we might actually be ahead in this thing. And now that I think about it, you could drag this on quite a bit longer if in the meantime we're getting that kind of content. That could sustain me for quite a while. Yeah. Seeing other fan bases freak out because Missouri might actually do a recruit signing yeah. commitment. Yeah. People were being funny on Twitter. They were saying like uh, like Oklahoma fans are making Arkansas fans look smart now and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. we're just like I feel like we've kind of just gone around to the different fan bases and like we've had some run-ins with Kansas State now. And Arkansas obviously is always there, and just the various fan bases. It's very fun to get in little little fan battles. We need to beat Kansas State this year yeah. to uh, have a little bit more fun in that interaction. Yeah, we don't have a whole lot of ammo in that one right now. We need to play Kansas in football to have a little bit more fun there. But Oklahoma, Arkansas, you know, it's going okay. Um, yeah, I saw, of course, um, when Ari goes to school with uh, Caden Green and. Um, Oklahoma also feels really good about their chances with a wide receiver on that team. That's the coach's son, I think. And so I saw one post in particular that was like specifically mentioned that those two players look like, you know, cream of the crop, future NFL players. And this is coming from an OU fan. And when Ari, uh, he just wasn't seeing it when yeah. he watched that team. Yeah, he just doesn't have the skills you want in a football player. Yeah, top three player in the country just, you know, wasn't quite cutting it. No. So they're this like so preemptively doing the actually we didn't want them thing. Yes. It's just yeah. incredible. It is. It, re- it really is incredible how the mind works. At but least Mizzou fans would wait till he doesn't come to Mizzou to start saying stuff like that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure Oklahoma even took a commitment from a lower ranked teammate on that high school team recently. Yeah. To, I mean, they're just doing everything. And honestly, you know, that's got to be frustrating for them because they probably felt like they were in the driver's seat for so long in that recruitment and then missouri just just like came in maybe a little bit later and just kind of won them over late in the process i wouldn't wish for anybody to lose their job but if an other opportunity for a high school coaching job opened up for this uh coach at least summit north maybe in the state of oklahoma might be a, a mutual win for everybody yeah, yeah. I'll, i'm sure they like having him up there in kansas city to uh, I'm sure they do kind of keep the pipeline going but I don't know if I was uh, if I was pulling the strings, I might see if he could uh, maybe uh, operate in a different state. Yeah, well, maybe we're about to buck the trend. Yeah, I'm sure there's a high school in Texas that Oklahoma needs to create a pipeline with. There you go. Um, McClellan also committing on the 13th. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sentiment isn't as great uh, with McClellan, um, I think, but I really do think it's down in Missouri and Ohio State is what it sounds like. Um, not the dream school, LSU. That's not, that's true, but you know that's when Ohio State. When you're a wide receiver and Ohio State wants you, that's tough. Yeah, they are just a wide receiver factory for the NFL right now. 
Yeah, and uh, it's also true that if you get recruited over, then you can always come back to Mizzou. There you go. <laughs> All right, so two commitments coming up. I'm all in when Ari to Mizzou absolutely crushed if that doesn't happen at this point. Well, we it, you know, it's early in the morning, we got our coffee and coffee's for closers, so I think we're going to we're going to just wrap that one up. That's true. That's true. That's what I like to hear. Okay, so we are going to preview the Missouri football offense for 2023 and um looking at the offense last year, we talked a little bit about this last episode when we recapped the season, but it was a little bit up and down. Um, they could move the ball at ease or with ease against um, inferior opponents. Didn't seem like it was an issue. You could kind of just get the ball into the hands of Lovett and Burden, and they can make enough plays. And uh, Pete and Schrader were physical enough and talented enough to just do whatever they wanted against you know, uh, some of these non-conference opponents. But when it came to SEC play, things tightened up quite a bit. Um, Brady Cook was up and down trying to push the ball down the field, sometimes making excellent plays, sometimes uh, head scratchers uh, with his decision-making. And I did want to mention, as we go through here, there were some bits from Drink's fall camp opening press conference where he kind of talked on talked about each position group so we'll incorporate that a little bit as we go um i think we will start with the tight end group unless you have anything from last year about the offense as a whole uh we'll just jump in with the tight ends go right ahead uh tight end group last year was not a strength for for missouri i think Game one, uh, you know, there was a, it was a question mark going into the season, and then game one we saw Tyler Stevens fumble at, like, the five-yard line, and it was like, okay, the, a tight end might not touch the ball, like, the rest of the season. Yeah, it was, like, simultaneously also his best game maybe, though. Yeah. Uh, so he actually had some nice plays, and they were looking to get him the ball, but I feel like, yeah, after – yeah, they did that little Patrick Mahomes, like, the little pitch play the Chiefs do sometimes mm-hmm. with the tight end kind of coming up through the middle, and – yeah, he got a few yards, but but fumbled right there at the at the goal line and didn't touch the ball a whole lot after that. So, who are we expecting to line up, uh, take the most snaps at tight end? Yeah, so just kind of looking at the tight end room, it's I mean, honestly, since like Albert O, it's been pretty nebulous at Missouri for the tight end uh, situation. I mean, Daniel Parker Jr. had his moments, but you know, consistently we've never really had uh, a receiving threat since Albert O. So uh, right now, um, the tight end room looks like Tyler Stevens is probably going to potentially get the most snaps again this season just as the guy with the most experience in the room. And tight end is a position that is just really difficult for young players to come in and get time because there's they really are p- kind of a, playing two positions where they're a receiver and a blocker. Mm-hmm. There's so many assignments they've got to learn, and it's just it's really tough to come in and play right away, just like size-wise too. It's... A, very interesting uh, kind of prototype of size that you're looking for for a player there that can do both of those things. But So I still think Tyler Stevens is probably the most likely candidate to lead in snaps this year. We've got Kibet Cheputor, um, and then Ryan Horsecamp is kind of like the up-and-comer who had probably the most recruiting pedigree out of at least definitely out of the three I just mentioned. 
and he's a little bit undersized, um, but he had some moments last year, had a good game against New Mexico, New Mexico State, Mexico, mm-hmm. State, one, one of those. Um, but he had a good game at the end of the year last year, and you know I think I, I still have hope that he could be that he could be pretty good. Um, and then kind of the next three guys in the room are all kind of like promising young freshmen, and we've got Max Wisner, who I believe is a redshirt freshman, mm-hmm. uh, Brett Norfleet, who is a true freshman and probably projects to be one of the better tight ends we've had in a while. Um, eventually, eventually, yeah. and that's the thing is. You know, I think a lot of people want him to come in and be, you know, demanding targets this year, and I just don't really think that's going to happen. He just needs to put on weight, but I do think that he could have a great career at Missouri. And then we've got Jordan Harris, who is kind of, I, with all due respect, is probably kind of a, a project, mm-hmm. um, at least the, the most so out of these guys, just because he's got great size. He's six seven. 230 but you know he hasn't played football for a long time or he hasn't yeah he's he started late in high school uh played basketball in high school and then the staff didn't even know if he was going to play tight end or or defensive line okay so he's um but he's a great athlete and so i think they just are trying to get some get some skills in the tight end room yeah um with the sort of question marks at tight end i was honestly expecting them to go out and get a guy in the transfer portal this offseason. Me too. I thought it made sense to get a grad transfer who had produced somewhere else, but maybe, you know, needed a, a fresh start somewhere else. But we didn't get that. And I don't know if that speaks to sort of the de-emphasis on the position. Um, it seems like maybe the staff would be content to just have really good blocking tight ends. And if they can produce a little bit uh receiving then that's just a bonus i don't know but it you bringing up the point about it it is basically two positions uh it that kind of speaks to how in the nfl and i think it's obviously trickling down to the college ranks as well we saw georgia last year they were playing three tight ends pretty regularly and it has some programs have definitely gone to more of a specialization approach where mm-hmm. there's like a clear receiving tight end, a clear blocking tight end, and then maybe a, a third guy that does a little bit of both. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, that may be what Missouri has to look at eventually. I think Brett Norfleet is, would be the prime candidate for kind of the receiving specialist um, down the road. But, you know, you uh, to some extent, all these guys have to do it a, at least a little bit, uh, have to be able to do both of those things. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we're looking at probably running it back with Tyler Stevens, and uh, if that is if that is the position group on the offense with the most question marks and maybe the least likely to uh, sort of, I don't know, take over a game, mm-hmm. then I think we can manage that. Um, as we work our way up through the position groups here, we're going to kind of go from uh, least exciting to most exciting, uh, potentially. So uh, with tight ends, we just need them to be serviceable. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one one more note I was going to add on on uh, Stevens and Chepitor. They, for according to PFF, they were uh, Missouri's lowest graded run blockers on the entire team. So yeah, I agree with you. Just one more thing to just add on to. We we just need those guys to do anything. Yeah. And I think it'll be an improvement over what we had last year. Yeah. It we can't yeah needs to be an improvement. Okay, so 
moving on to running backs. And this is not going to be a super exciting group to talk about just because the uh, the two guys returning had the most snaps, most carries, most yards last year. Uh, Nathaniel Pete, Cody Schrader. I know um, we were hoping for more Tavoris uh, Jones this year. And he still has every opportunity to be successful at Missouri. But the way, oh, one thing, oh, sorry, last thing I want to mention about tight ends is Coach Drink in his press conference, he um, he talked about all six of those guys potentially contributing. And it just basically, I was looking for anything, any little, any little thing that would make me think one of these guys is separating themselves. And he didn't really give us that. He was just kind of like, yep, any one of these guys might contribute. And in his uh, SEC Media Days uh, opener, whenever he kind of did the same thing and talked about every single player on the team, uh, he pretty much gave this very encouraging, um, I don't know, every single position group, he was like, and they did this, and they're capable of this. And in the tight end group, he was like, uh, yeah, we're hoping that they improve, basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they just moved on. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't. It's no secret that the tight end position is probably the weakest on the entire team, um, but there's opportunity there. So back to the running backs. The pro is we've got our two returning starters, basically co-starters at running back from last year. More experience, uh, more ingrained in the offense. But was that good enough last year? I think some fans have a little bit of a question mark there. And with the some of the young players that maybe could provide a spark that we were hoping to see, maybe uh, it's a little bit disappointing that we're not going to see more of that. But I can't help but feel like you've got Pete and Schrader returning. They were productive last year. If they can take just a marginal step forward, I think uh, we'll be fine at running back. Yeah, so far, you know, we've talked about two position groups and both kind of have a similar story where it's like yep same guys as last year yeah same guys as last year on a team that was really bad yeah. on offense yeah and so it's like are we doing are, are we doing the, the insanity thing just kind of hoping it's going to get better with the same you know some the same inputs i don't know you know i am a firm believer that in college those players develop and get better you know in college those players are really young they're they're learning and improving uh so it's certainly possible these players could could take a take a step and both of those both pete and schrader is their first year in the program right last year so i i am worried that you know is it a kind of the similar conversation here between you know the brady cook sam horn thing where it's like yeah these guys are serviceable but you know do we have a real spark that's just sitting on the bench behind them right maybe so so last year uh pete had 100 carries for 438 yards and two touchdowns Schrader had 170 carries for 745 yards and nine touchdowns. So if you um, if you had only one player doing that, if you combine those guys into one guy, it's 270 carries, 1,183 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. which that's, is that's a, getting it done. A really good year for a running back, and um, you know any backups behind this imaginary single player would just be kind of picking up the scraps. Yep. So I do think that's exactly what we can expect again this year. Um, I'd like to see these guys get a little bit more involved in the passing game. And I think Coach Drink has alluded to the fact that Kirby Moore definitely will do that. 
He's going to be a little bit more creative with the running backs in the mm-hmm. passing game. And maybe that's where Tavoris Jones gets involved. You know, I think that Cody Schrader and Nathaniel Pete are both kind of grinders where yeah. they just are going to, you know, run up the middle. They're, they're good on the ground. But, you know, I think Tavoris Jones could definitely kind of start working in in the, in the pass game just as a more explosive back. They combined for 29 receptions for 200 yards and one touchdown through the air. Yeah, that's not great. Yeah. Um, so we're expecting them to come back and maybe take a step being in the program another year. Um, there's also Jamal Roberts waiting in the wings. Um, I feel like the staff is going to have a pretty long leash with both of these guys. I could see a little bit of a timeshare approach between Pete and Schrader. And if one of them falters, I can see the other one just taking over and the staff being like, okay, this is your job now. Maybe one of the younger players serves. Maybe uh, Jones or Roberts could usurp whichever one of these guys might falter. But I don't, I don't see a season where Tavoris Jones, you know, at some point is getting the majority of the carries in any game this year. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Is that for the best? I don't know. It's man. hard to say. It really is. This uh, we've see, we'll see that with uh, lots of the offense of how like the staff sort of keeping the young guys out of the spotlight. Um, works to their advantage because like well you got to keep the veterans in there yeah uh, because they have the experience but these young guys need to get some game experience too it is a is a fine line to walk and if you've got a team of upperclassmen who you think could do something special you don't want to mess that up by yeah. uh, throwing the young guys in there before they're ready yeah we've definitely seen coach Shrinkwitz give priority to experienced players so far all right, so moving on to the offensive line. Um, Kyle, I'll just let you jump in with your thoughts on the offensive line. Yeah, we got a lot of names here. I'm just going to run through all of them. Um, just there's, I mean, they probably have nine or ten guys that, that could contribute this season. Um, but we'll start with um, Marcellus Johnson is a tackle that transferred from Eastern Michigan. I fully anticipate him to start at right tackle got Xavier Delgado, who's in like his fifth or sixth season or something at Missouri, who could start at left guard. Uh, Connor Tolleson, who was kind of forced to play center last year, um, but he was really young and probably wasn't ready for it, but was basically had to play. Um, and I definitely think he could be in there again this year. Got Armand Mimbao, who, um, or Mimbu, mm-hmm. who is a very, very talented young player who I think they're going to be trying to get him in there any way they possibly can. Then we have Javon Foster, who, of course, is kind of the stalwart left tackle. Probably could have gone to the NFL this year and chose to return to Missouri, so we're really solid there. Um, got Cameron Johnson, who is the transfer from Houston, who, again, you know, was an all-conference player at Houston. Uh, I would be shocked if he's not starting somewhere in the line. I don't know if it's going to be the center or if he, he played guard at Houston, so he's very capable of doing both of those things. Um, we got EJ uh, Nadoma Ogar, who was playing really well last year at guard before he got hurt. And then we've got Mitchell Walters. And then some kind of up-and-comer young guys who probably won't play much this year, but but definitely will down the road, is uh, Valen Erickson, Tristan Wilson, uh, Curtis Piegler. 
And we have a new offensive line coach, and that's Brandon Jones, who came over from Houston. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of, lot of um, potential here. And, you know, I think that the starting five is going to be a lot more solid this year than it was last year. And not only that, but I think the depth is, is mu- I'm much more comfortable with, with the depth there. Yeah. Uh, you just reading those names, I'm very satisfied with how this position group has come together. And in the press conference, um, I can't remember which press conference it was, but Coach Drinkwitz was talking about um, the depth, and he he specifically was talking about competitive depth and how, um, yeah, you can have some of these guys come in that aren't starters and you're not seeing a considerable drop-off in ability and um, their their ability to keep things moving on offense. And I think... We've talked about before how like that's the difference, especially in the SEC. You look at a team like Georgia last year. Missouri has the lead into the fourth quarter, but Georgia is just built different, and they're able to bring in second-string, third-string guys and have so little drop-off in how they're playing that most teams cannot compete with that. Yeah. Like, Missouri they don't have to deal with like the fatigue issue. Really. Exactly. There. Yeah. Georgia, outside of maybe you know one or two guys that you just have to keep out there for almost every snap, they're able to rotate guys in and out of the lineup to keep fresh legs into the through the fourth quarter in a way that most teams are not able to. Yeah. And for the offensive line to have returning starters go get an impact transfer or two and have some young guys that have the recruiting pedigree and the ability to develop and contribute later. I'm feeling really good about this position group. Mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, you know, looking at it on paper right now, you could withstand an injury, which is always huge for the offensive line. We've seen Missouri teams in the past that should have a solid offense, but you have one or two injuries on the offensive line and you just can't overcome that at all. And I feel like there's enough you know, starter level guys here that they might not all be all conference, but, um, if somebody goes down or, you know, there's a little bit of a timeshare at one position that will actually benefit Missouri. Whereas I feel like if there's a little bit of uncertainty in some of these other position groups, it could actually cause problems on the offensive line. I think if you've got eight guys that, uh, have a legitimate case to be starting, that's the best position group to have that issue. For sure. And I, I wanted to focus on Connor Tollison a little bit because I know that, I don't know, man, he's kind of taking some heat a little bit for, you know, for last year he, he, and he struggled and, you know, he, he's a little bit, he was a little bit undersized, um, but he's just so, he was so young yeah. and to, to be, to be in the role that he was in. Um, yeah. Some of the, the snaps were inconsistent and he was getting blown off the ball a little bit and stuff like that. But again, coming back to the idea of development in college football, especially in a, in a place like offensive line, like I just think those players are always, you know, getting bigger, stronger, uh, smarter, and you know, learning the offense and stuff like that. I'm not ready to give up on Connor Tollison. I think you know he was a good recruit coming out of high school and everything. I think I think the fan, a lot of the fans are ready to ready to move on. But you know, I'm not I'm not giving up hope on Tollison at all. And I definitely think there's a chance that he starts to center again, and it's just much improved. And if I'm being honest, I feel like that would almost be best case scenario for the line if he's able to play center and and improve at it um tremendously but 
uh, because that allows Cameron Johnson to play guard. So, but I think Connor Tolleson played guard in high in high school too. So, really, all, all those guys can do it. Really, uh, well, not all those guys, but both those guys can do it. Um, but if I was going to project who I think is going to start, um, I'd probably I'd probably say Javon Foster going from left to right. Javon Foster. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, man. I, it just all depends on who's going to play center. But I'll say um, I'll say. Cameron Johnson at left guard, Connor Tolleson center, um, Armand Mambu right guard, and then Marcellus Johnson at right tackle. And I feel pretty good about three of the five guys there. That has uh, Delgado as odd man out. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think starting. I think Delgado. You know, he's he's been serviceable, but I think it's t- I think there are some more talented options that are capable of stepping up. And I even think. Kind of the sleeper there is is EJ Nadoma Ogar. I mm-hmm. think he could definitely sneak in there at guard too. So it just kind of depends on it. Just all hinges on who's going to play center. Yeah, the alternate reality there is uh, Cam Johnson playing center. Yeah, and then that probably bumps Tollison out of the starting lineup altogether. Potentially, potentially. Mm-hmm. But again, I I I feel like that's an okay problem to have. Yeah, you have overlap on who can do what and like i said if there's an injury uh you know you could see things look different but still not see a drop off yep and uh you know when we talk about the quarterback position on a little bit so much of the quarterback's ability to you know manufacture some offense is comes down to them just not being pressured and being able to take their time and go through their reads and allow uh wide receivers to make a play and beat their guy yeah but that starts up front, obviously, in the trenches with uh, being able to keep the quarterback clean. Yep, that's probably the the, uh, the easiest way that you can improve the offense uh, from year to year is just get that offensive line going. Helps everything. Yeah. Um, okay, so now I, I'm I'm be honest with you. This is where it really gets exciting. I think is the wide receiver room. And obviously, we've got Luther Burden returning. Spend some time talking about him. And um, looking back to last year, obviously, Dominic Lovett had an awesome year, awesome sophomore season. He leaves town for Georgia. Boo. But uh, we appreciate his services while he was here. Um, And it's just, we talked about it before, but it's crazy how I really don't think we're going to uh, there's lots of other years for Mizzou football where that would just be devastating to lose your p- top pass catcher like that statistically. But with the way the wide receiver room looks and, um, you know, getting a key transfer, I think we're going to be just fine. I don't think we're going to see a huge drop off with his departure. What do you think? Yes, I, I think I, I think I agree with you. Okay. Um, I mean, love it. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't want to like talk good about Lovett for very long, but he is a extremely, extremely talented wide receiver who played so well last year. He made he, Brady Cook look good sometimes. He bailed us out so many times yeah. in like tough spots. And but yeah, I I, th- I definitely think that this wide receiver room is perfectly capable of of you know just moving on and being just as good or better without him. I, I definitely agree with that. I think he he wasn't. I think what gives me some confidence there is he wasn't the only one sort of making Brady Cook look better than he was at times. 
Like we know uh, Barrett Bannister being super reliable on first down or on third down situations, getting a first down, mm-hmm. always knowing where the first down line was. Uh, Luther Burden breaking tackles, making something out of nothing. And then like Makai Miller uh, making huge catches in big spots. I think uh, Lovett definitely came down with some balls that you're like, okay, how did he even do that? Or mm-hmm. there was a couple times where like Cook underthrew him a little bit. He had to make an adjustment to go back and get the ball, and he was really good at that. But I, I really do think he was not the only one making those kind of plays. No. And you know, Luther Burden, his if you compare freshman seasons, you know, Dominic Lovett contributed a little bit. We could tell this guy might be good, but. Luther Burden's freshman season was far superior to that of Lovett's. So I'm f- I fully expect Luther Burden to be able to do ex- everything Lovett did last year and potentially more. Speaking of Luther Burden, where my Luther Burden merch? Nice hoodie. Looks good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, got to support the man. You got to support the man. And, I mean, you're wearing a hoodie in August. That's true. So <laughs> It's a little warm in here. That's a sacrifice. Um, yeah, so I guess... How do you want to tackle this? Should we just start with Luther Burden? Sure. He's he's the one everybody wants to hear about. Um, I want to take it back to last year. Last year, I sort of sketched out what would be a consider what I would consider to be a successful career for Luther Burden at Missouri, and I was trying to kind of temper expectations and for myself mostly understand that this is a true freshman coming into the SEC, um, even though he's a really good player we shouldn't expect him to have like one of the best wide receiver seasons we've seen a Missouri player have um, right off the bat. And I predicted that he would have roughly 30 catches for about 260 yards and four touchdowns. He actually had 45 catches for 375 yards and six touchdowns, which across the board is about 40% better than what I predicted. And I do think I was kind of setting it a little bit low just to like manage expectations, but by all accounts, that was a fantastic season for a true freshman wide receiver for Missouri. And you put, especially when you add in his rushing numbers, yeah. he was right there with any anybody from his recruiting class and most other older wide receivers. Oh, for sure. He was definitely one of the best freshman um, wide receivers in the country. And you could see, I mean, like, this is not a tan- not a quantifiable thing, really, but the eye test watching him, he was outclassing, you know, junior and senior defensive backs on some of these SEC teams. He was making tacklers, would-be tacklers look silly, and he just has an incredible instinct for yards after the catch yeah. and ability to break tackles and find the end zone yeah and that's what i think makes him so great for the slot position this year they've he he played more of kind of like a boundary role kind of a more traditional x i guess last year but um this year he's gonna be playing in the slot and i just think that projects for so many targets because typically you know the slot is um usually their their routes are a little bit shorter and you know a little bit safer sometimes and so uh, I don't know. It's, it's just they can find those empty spots in the defense easy sometimes. So you get, sometimes get some favorable matchups with uh, defensive opponents. Yeah, like a linebacker or something yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And uh, I think him being in the slot is going to be just another benefit to whoever is the starting quarterback that you kind of, 
if you're manufacturing some touches for him and some quick passing opportunities, mm-hmm. um, I've said before, I want to see him getting the ball over the middle more with uh, some space to operate. And uh, I just obviously what jumps to my mind is how effortlessly um, DGB would take a slant and just keep running. Yeah. If you just let him a little bit, he would take that slant to the house. And I could see Luther Burden stepping in and doing that same type of thing uh, from the slot position. And uh, you can get creative with him coming out into the backfield, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen the end of him in the Wildcat no. or taking sweeps and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think uh, he'll be the safety valve for whoever's playing quarterback. Um, I did look back at some previous Mizzou seasons to try to find a freshman that uh, looked anything like Luther Burden last year. And I found a funny stat. Freshman year, Demetrius Mason had 47 catches for 587 yards and three touchdowns. What year was that? Uh, It was like 20... 17 or something drew Locke was finding him wow and uh i was trying to find other freshman stats uh red shirt freshman jonathan johnson 24 catches 435 yards and two touchdowns so uh there was a uh, those were not as good uh, wide receiver rooms back then no uh and it seems like every year there's a freshman who would have like there was a stretch there where players would have like eight catches for 200 yards and they're, you know, they're averaging like 20 yards per catch and had like three touchdowns. And it was like year after year, that guy was out of the program. It was like Cam Scott, uh, JJ Hester. There's a few more in there. They were just leaving. Um, so what you're telling me is what Luther Burden did last year has not been done a whole lot. Not a whole lot, especially the six touchdowns. His ability to find the end zone. And on a terrible offense. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you look at my projections and just add 40% to them, because that's how real life works, you can just you know plot that out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in line for 70 catches, 840 yards, and 11 touchdowns. It's called extrapolation. Yeah. Uh, are you getting into the projections game? Just for pretend. That's like a whole industry. Yeah. I don't have any actual statistical background. Uh, I just have a calculator and just play around with it. And you have some just some level-headed takes that exactly. go along with it. If he came down with 11 touchdown grabs this year, that would be fifth all-time single season. I think he's capable. Okay, how about 40% uh, up from my junior year predictions? 112 catches, 1,400 yards, 17 touchdowns. What's the senior year? Senior year is he's a rookie in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, he would definitely would be in the NFL with that kind of season. That would be first uh, in Mizzou history for touchdown catches in a season. Second behind Denario Alexander in receptions and receiving yards. I am not going to say he there, that there's anything he can't do. Yeah. All right, so we know uh, we know Luther Burden's going to be amazing. Luther Burden. That, that scared me. <laughs> Uh, we know we're going to hear that call several times this year. Oh, yeah. We're looking forward to it. Um, now, behind Luther Burden, we've got a transfer. We've got uh, several players that have been in the system a little while. We've got some young guys coming up. Who's going to be starting alongside Luther Burden at wide receiver? Yeah, I'll just go ahead and read off um, some of the names in the room. But 
Uh, so after Luther Burden, we've got Theo Weiss, who is the transfer from Oklahoma. Uh, Makai Miller, who had a really impressive freshman year. Well, at least had some very impressive moments last year, for sure. Uh, Mookie Cooper, Jamarian Wayne, Peanut Houston, Dennis Jackson. And then we've got some freshmen, Joshua Manning, who uh, we beat out Kansas State for and caused that whole thing that we were referencing earlier in this episode. Uh, Daniel Blood and Marquise Johnson. So solid group. Solid group that it seems a little top heavy to me. And so you know, I I, I don't want to say that the depth isn't great, but I think we really need you know Burden, Weiss, and Miller and Cooper. Oh, I mean, we need those guys to stay healthy. Yeah. Um, with Weiss, uh, he's coming into the season. Uh, having caught 19 passes for 378 yards and four touchdowns last year at Oklahoma. Uh, so he was underutilized potentially. Um, you know, there was a lot of mouths to feed there. So him getting a fresh start and in a position in this offense where he should be seeing, you know, 70% of the snaps on offense mm-hmm. at least. <clears throat> Uh, I think that's an opportunity for him to really show up, especially with how much attention Luther Burden is getting from the slot position. Mm -hmm. They should be able to get creative, and if the quarterback can make his reads, I think Weiss is going to be wide open from time to time uh, for some big plays. Yeah, I think the addition of Weiss is maybe something that's gone a little bit under the radar. And, you know, he's a former five-star recruit. And, I mean, that's he is as talented. Like, in high school, he, he had as good of a career as Luther Burden had, basically. You know he's uh, he's a bigger guy than I was expecting. Like seeing some videos of him and in, in practices at fall camp and stuff. Like he's a bigger guy, bigger frame. Six um, two one ninety two. Yeah. Um. Really, really smooth route runner. Yeah. Um. He's probably gonna play a little bit more on the outside, and I don't know. He's kind of like kind of a slippery guy who you know he can run those intermediate routes, but he'll he'll beat you over the top too, and definitely has that kind of vertical vertical speed. And so I think that is going to just make him really difficult to to guard because I think he can kind of be versatile like that. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. And then Mookie Cooper, he's been around, and uh, you know, he's kind of one of these guys that, in my mind, I'm like, is he going to break out at some point and just kind of? I could see him being like a boomer bust type player this year, where he could have a handful of games where he, you know, is the leading receiver on this team. And then he could have another handful of games where he has one catch for 15 yards. Yeah. You know, I love Mookie Cooper and uh, love him as a player and just seems like a, a great kid, great family. Um, I, I definitely don't know that I ever see him being like the alpha type wide receiver. You know, he's a little bit small. Um, and in college, sometimes that doesn't really matter as much. But um, I, I agree with you. I think mainly he's he's kind of in that role where he's he's stretching the field. He's um, running the the vertical routes that um, kind of open up the underneath stuff. And you know he's going to make big plays. He's, it's not like he's not capable um, whatsoever of having big games. Uh, I just don't think exactly like you said. I just don't think he's going to consistently um, be the top performer. But there will be games for sure where he just catches that long touchdown out of nowhere, and or maybe he takes a screen to the to the house. He can he's perfectly capable of that too. Yeah, I think, uh, was it the Georgia game last year that he had a, a huge catch down the field uh, to kind of put Missouri in a position to score when it was a very close game in the second half? That was like, uh, 
don't know. That was a moment where I was like, yeah, Mookie Cooper, he was he was uh, well covered, went up and got the ball, and just kind of flashed a little bit of hopefully what we can see more of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who do we have left here? All right, so uh, we got Makai Miller, yeah. who, um, man, I he was just... He was making me happy and making me smile last year because he just looks like, um, I don't know, he was just coming up in big moments, man, like these clutch moments in big games where he's having some of his first career catches and stuff. They're like these important third down conversions in big games like against SEC opponents and stuff. That's what I was going to say. He had eight catches all year, and it feels like every single one of them was in a huge spot. Yes, it really did. It was just like, wow, we can just all already count on this guy to just be nails in these clutch situations. So um, it definitely kind of seems like he's just got that, I don't know, like that mentality that's just like, I'm going to beat you. Got and that dog in him. He you got that say. dog in him. That's just that's the best way to say it. Yeah. And I love that about him. And you know, I definitely think that uh, he's got a lot of potential. And, uh, you know, he could probably, he's probably just a better Barrett Bannister, like kind of a similar role where, you know, he's going to be the chain mover. He's probably not running a whole lot of deep routes, um, but he's just going to be there always, like kind of just sitting down right there at the first down line. And, uh, yeah, I hope he keeps making those, those big catches. And he'll be, uh, Coach Drink said he will be splitting time with luther burden in the slot okay a bit yeah so. i i was that's the thing is like i think of him as kind of a slot receiver so yeah. i'm not really sure what his role will be because luther's moving to, moving to slot but i think that they'll they can't possibly keep him off the field right okay so um those are probably the guys that we're going to see most um let's see Burden, Weiss, Cooper, Miller, that's like solid four guys. But mm-hmm. like you were mentioning, maybe top heavy in the position because after this, there's a little bit of a drop off. Yeah, I think just an experience. Sure, definitely. Um, yeah, I think Jamarian Wayne will, you know, he's kind of a versatile guy. He's got good, good size. I think, you know, he played uh, wide receiver in high school and then he switched to like defensive back when he got to Missouri just because of the depth issues. Now I switched back yeah. to wide receiver. So he obviously hasn't taken the traditional route that a lot of these other guys have taken. So he's probably trying to catch up a little bit. But I think we'll see him out there. Um, and then I think we'll see Dennis Jackson too. You know, he's a transfer from Ole Miss and he's kind of a speed guy. So I definitely think we could see him just kind of pop in for some big plays here and there and uh and beat the defense a few times deep or something like that but for the most part at houston as well returning yes peanut houston as well uh, so who, one of those guys is going to be this like uh you know 10 catches for almost 200 yards like t- this like 20 yards per catch type guy because they're just bombing it to him every once in a while yeah yeah for sure i think we'll we'll see those guys work in but for the most part it's going to be very concentrated with uh with those top guys i think in targets so Luther Burden's going to be our top guy, and we can just pencil him in for a similar type year that Dominic Lovett had last year, except I would expect more touchdowns than Lovett's three last year. I think year. so, definitely. And then replacing Barrett Bannister's production and Towski Dove's production, it really doesn't seem like a problem to me at all to replace those guys' production, I think. Uh, with the position, with Luther Burden switching positions, that kind of makes it interesting to compare to last year because the production is going to come from different parts of the field. But I feel really good about uh, this receiving group being better than last year. I think Bannister being so reliable is one of those things that makes me think maybe 
if that's Luther Burden, then maybe we aren't using him as creatively as we could. I don't want Luther Burden to be stuck in this role of only running the routes Barrett Bannister ran last year. I don't think that'll be a problem. Yeah, better not be. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Towski Dove, and he's a guy that, you know, just put in his time, man, just quietly did his job at Mizzou, and I, I really liked him as a player. He transferred out after last season, and, at, you know, on the surface, it felt like a kind of a a guy that, you know, I think we, we could miss him. You know, uh, he was he was just solid, but I think that's a pretty good sign, though, for the future of the wide receiver room because it just kind of felt like, uh, like thank you for your for your contributions, but we're we're gonna move on is what it kind of felt like. And you know, I think Theo Weiss is gonna probably take over the, a similar role and probably be able to play it at a higher level. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, so we're expecting big things from the wide receiver group. Luther Burden's gonna be awesome. Uh, we just need to figure out who is gonna get these guys the ball. It's probably gonna be Brady Cook. Is that is that the assumption we're working on right now? Oh, sorry. One more thing about wide receivers. Luther Burden, I was looking at the old record book, the old Mizzou football record book. And I want to know if you think Luther Burden can break any of these records this year. Some of these are insane, and it's just an excuse for me to talk about old uh, Missouri wide receivers. Luther Burden would need seven receptions in one quarter to tie Justin Gage, Denario Alexander, Michael Egnew, and Bud Sasser for that record think you can do that this year i honestly without hearing the other stuff that sounds like maybe the most attainable seven receptions in one quarter i think you could do it uh 11 in one half 16 in a game those are both denario alexander uh, records um i think he could do the first two okay considering his role in the slot Mm -hmm. how much they're going to need him it's going to have so many targets this year we'll be watching those reception numbers uh for a sophomore, most receptions in a sophomore season, this is redshirt sophomore season for Jeremy Macklin, 102 receptions. That's a ton. Yeah, I don't think he at gets there. At the college there. level, I yeah. don't think he'll get there. And also, redshirt sophomore Jeremy Macklin had 1,260 receiving yards. What an insane season for him. Jeez. Yeah, I, that's, that's going to be really tough. He could be one of six other players to have a reception in all 14 games in one season. You like him to do that this year? Say that one more time. Six Missouri Tiger receivers have had a reception in all 14 games in one season. Yeah, I think he, that that's definitely a one hill he could do. Oh, yeah, we like that. We like that. Uh, and this stuff that he's not going to do, but I just wanted to talk about Denario Alexander had 181 receiving yards in just the third quarter against Kansas in 2009. And he, that was his seven receptions in one quarter. That actually happened. That That, wasn't like NCAA 14. No, that's a real thing that happened. That's like what I do on like a video game. Like I just start targeting the same player like over and over. When That's when you're like, okay, maybe this is getting a little unrealistic. Yeah, it's we like I need to spread it around. Tone a it bit. down a little bit. <laughs> but no, that happened in real life. Uh, touchdowns in a game. Do you know what the record is for touchdowns in a game for a wide receiver? For a wide receiver? Oh, man. DGB against DG- Kentucky? DGB had four against Kentucky. And four was also done by one other player in the last mm-hmm. 10 years. Mm-hmm. 
You know him. A little uh, underrated, maybe, by the Mizzou fan base as a whole. Jamon Moore. Jamon Moore. Four touchdown catches against Delaware State. Oh, yeah. That was a game. That was, that was something. Uh, so I think, I think Luther Burden could do that. Four in a game. Could he? Yeah. If they keep throwing it. I'm not it predicting against, it, but yeah. Okay. He could do it. Uh, Denario Alexander has the record for 14 touchdowns in a season. Chase Kaufman has the record for 30 touchdowns in a career. It's a lot. Yeah. Maybe next year we're looking at those numbers. Maybe. Um, yeah, I already talked about Dominic Lovett. He was good last year. Okay, now we're ready to move on to quarterback position. Who's going to get these like guys that. the ball? Yeah. I like I like to dig into the record book. They don't have it updated. I think I say this this time every year, but they do not have last year's stats in the record book that you can go download on mutigers.com. So who, whoever put our soundbite in the tweet, can you... Uh, just this all-powerful person? Yes. It's an anonymous person. Can you get somebody to update the record book for me? <laughs> I'm having to do this by hand. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing arithmetic over here. Seriously, I had to break out the calculator. <laughs> Okay. Well, well, here we are. Quarterbacks. The, at the question. Most important position in the game. I feel like in a weird way, maybe not like putting it off is the right like terminology for this, but we've had a very long off season. Yeah. Of no football. Yeah. Of no sports. And yet we've been here every week. Baseball talking, fans. Uh, talking about something. I don't know what we've talked about for the past six months or longer with, there was with, basketball with no there. football yeah. or anything. And yet, I still feel like we, this is something we just didn't talk about a whole, whole lot, is like, who is going to play quarterback this season? I think I was hoping that this would clear up in a similar way as it did last year, and we could just, at this time last year, it was just announced that Brady Cook was going to be the starter for, for week one. Yeah, which really surprised me, actually, last right. year. And, uh, you know, Coach was kind of just throwing all of his weight behind that decision and being like, nope, this is this is what we're going with. And that allowed us to be like, okay, we know who the starter is and we can go from there. And I kind of feel like we do know who the starter is going to be, but it's, I don't know, what's the competition looking like in your mind, Kyle? What do you mean? Like how, like how likely is it that someone well, other than Cook is playing? Yeah, is, who who's really competing for this job? Is I, this re, is this a real competition? Yeah, like we're led to believe. I think it is. Okay, I think Sam Horn is right there, and I don't think Jake Garcia is going to play much. I don't think he he really has a chance to start. But um, maybe that's a wrong assumption. But I, yeah, I think this is a Brady Cook Sam Horn thing, and I one hundred percent think Sam Horn has all the all the chance in the world to win the job. Um, okay. So looking at Brady Cook, uh, did you want to tell us all the quarterbacks that, uh, are worth mentioning? Is it just those three? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, Brady Cook, Sam Horn, Jake Garcia, the transfer from Miami, uh, who was a former four-star recruit. You know, mm-hmm. he's got like a similar recruiting profile as Sam Horn. Has more game experience than Horn. That is true. Uh, didn't play super well. And, uh, he had 803 yards, five touchdowns and four interceptions on like 60-ish percent completion last year. Not a great Miami team. Not a great altogether. Miami team. Not a great season for Garcia, but he did play. And then we got Jabari Johnson, who is the true freshman. And uh, Natalie Jones from ABC 17 News uh, posted some... She's been at uh, fall camp and has been posting some videos and stuff. And 
which is great. Love seeing that stuff. And she kind of just posted maybe a minute or two long video of each of the four quarterbacks, like kind of just going through some drills and throwing and um, maybe this is like confirmation bias or some kind of different bias that's in my head, but I really felt like Sam Horn looks the sm- like the smoothest athlete. It just comes out of his hands so nicely. Like the ball just, it just looks great when mm-hmm. it comes out of his hand and yeah. that's his throwing motion is it's is so very, pure yeah and um and he, i mean he's a good athlete too he moves he moves well and you know some of the the spring practice stuff we saw he was more mobile than i thought yeah and so and coach Rinkwitz specifically mentioned exactly that uh sam horn being more mobile than you think kyle <laughs> yeah he's a he's a great athlete uh but anyways so just kind of watching all the guys go through the progressions and that kind of stuff. But honestly, one guy that stood out to me more as as much as anybody was Jabari Johnson. Yeah. Like, you know, I think that he kind of got the reputation or maybe just running quarterbacks in general kind of get the reputation sometimes that like, yeah, they're good athletes. They, they're kind of dual uh, threat and stuff. But maybe the passing game is typically what's lacking there. But And again, these are just like simple drills. But he's got an arm, man. Mm-hmm. And like he was throwing some delicious spirals and definitely looks smooth he looked really good yeah so but yeah i don't think he's gonna factor in this season so it's a two-man competition most likely all right so let's talk about brady cook here uh brady cook has 14 starts under his belt going back to um the bowl game against navy uh with connor bazelak yeah, one of those teams. Uh, Connor Bazelak was like, I'm out of here. And Brady Cook was a starter for that game. And then all of last year, in those first 14 starts to Brady Cook's career, he is completing 65% of his passes. He is averaging 7.1 yards per attempt, 212 yards per game. He has 16 passing touchdowns over that span. And on the ground, he's averaging 45 yards per game and has seven rushing touchdowns over those first 14 starts. And um, I had to get a little bit nerdy with it, and I compared that to the first 14 starts of Drew Locke, Connor Bazelak, James Franklin, and Matty Mock, just for fun. Brady Cook is second among that list, and we did something similar to this uh, a couple months ago where we did like a blind quarterback test We just compiled a bunch of stats and see if we could tell which quarterback was which. And we discovered at that time that Brady Cook, just from the numbers, in a vacuum, vacuum, stacks up pretty well against some of these guys. And we're seeing that again here with the 65% completion percentage being second uh, in these guys' first 14 starts. He's only behind Connor Bazelak, of all people, in completion percentage. Uh, In yards per attempt, he's third out of five behind James Franklin and Connor Bazelak. Yards per game, he's third behind Connor Bazelak and James Franklin. Uh, so in the first 14 starts, he's better than Drew Locke and Matty Mock in everything except touchdown passes. And that sort of makes sense. When you look back at last year, you can totally see, in my opinion, how some of those numbers are decent but the plays aren't there that make the biggest difference in these games. Mm -hmm. And that Brady Cook is fifth out of five of these quarterbacks in touchdown passes over his first 14 games. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like it's just the personification of Brady Cook's performances so far as, you know, he's out there, he's trying hard, yeah. but we're, we're not getting over the hump. And, and, and with his rushing upside, that is enough to sort of make it okay, I think. Yeah. You're going to win games because he's able to do just enough to make it happen. Yeah. But, um, yeah, clearly those 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 big plays, the clutch plays, the consistency wasn't there. And, you know, what did he improve as the season went on? Like, is it, it was that, you know, benchmarkable progress that, you know, kind of laying a floor for this season? You know, if we're getting second half of the season, Brady Cook, and that's his floor... That's that you. I mean, that's pretty good. Last five games of the season, he didn't throw an interception, so he turned the corner there a little bit after some rough games earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess that's with Brady. It does come down to how much better can he be this year? Yeah. And with his with him being injured part of last year, uh, new offensive coordinator, can he? The I think the difference in his game is being accurate down the field. For some reason, he would be incredibly accurate in like the do or die, like last minute of the half and last minute of the game. Uh, he was completing chunk passes to uh, Miller and um, Barrett Bannister. When and, that defense playing prevent? Well, so that's that's sort of the thing is like he can do that when the defense's only mission is keep you out of the end zone. Yeah, he can march you down the field, and we saw time and time again the offense march down the field and settle for a field goal yep and so with him running the ball a little bit more that i think that opened things up in the red zone specifically yeah but um yeah does does he have the i think what it really comes down to is does he have the arm talent to make the next step to thread the needle to get the ball out quicker because I really think his decision making is okay. Yeah, it's just uh, like we talked about last week. That one play—I uh, can't remember which game it was—but it was like a sideline throw to Luther Burden that just kind of floated in the air and would have been a pick six against any SEC team. Yeah, but because it was Louisiana Tech, it was a completed pass to Luther Burden. Yeah, and it's those type of plays that, or just you know, throwing the ball behind Dominic Lovett by one step so that he gets tackled immediately instead of running for 20 more yards. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that exact reason is the entire reason that we have a quarterback battle right now and that I think there's a pretty good chance that Sam Horn will will or could win the job is because Brady Cook's downfield passing was so so bad and his his accuracy beyond 20 yards was horrible and um I just don't think he offers much of a ceiling and it sucks to say that because I obviously everybody loves Brady Cook. Yeah, he plays harder than maybe anyone I've ever seen in my life, mm-hmm. and that is always going to be there. And um, you know, I think that's that's just the million dollar question: is will he improve? Because uh, we know in college sports, especially young players, it's just a, it's an experienced game, and whenever you're doing it for the first time ever, and you're playing in one of the most difficult and also important positions on the you know in sports potentially it's it's very very difficult to do it well uh, right off the bat and so it's like this this question of uh can he improve and do we want to give him the time to do so in a very pivotal moment for Missouri football and for coach Drinkwitz's career um do we want to see if he can get better um or do we want to start over with the experience question well yeah exactly because 
can Sam Horn come out and do anything with basically no game experience right. so far. And I think that's why at this point, like I just think I'm in favor of giving them both playing time in the first couple of games and just seeing how it goes because I just, I you know, I don't, we don't have the benefit of seeing them practice and that's not even everything at, at all. So I think there's a legitimate question mark for even the coaches where they're like asking the same questions we are. Like, is Brady Cook ready to improve does he have that in him i honestly don't know i honestly don't know if he can improve like in the downfield stuff that we really really need um is sam horn like uh, his ceiling is so much higher that is but is he ready to you know give us a baseline that we need uh with a with a great defense right now and so i legitimately think the the, the coaches don't know the answer to those questions right now so there's two games there's uh South Dakota, game one, that either one of these quarterbacks, if they split time 50-50, we should win by 30-plus points. Middle Tennessee, they're a more legit football team, and we maybe need to have our best quarterback out there more uh, in that game. Week three, number 14, Kansas State comes to town. Preseason uh, poll 14th. We got to know who the quarterback is by that time. We better have it figured out by week three. Is if okay? Let's even say that Sam Horn has the edge over Brady Cook at this point right now. Let's say he's the starter for the first two games. Is that enough reps to feel good about him going into the Kansas State game? I have no idea. Sheesh. Probably not. Feel good? No. no. I mean, could it be okay? Yeah. How much of this is us? Is Coach Drinkwitz like incepting the idea into our minds of how crucial experience is? Because I know uh, we've been spoiled with young quarterbacks coming in and producing right away in recent Mizzou history, but it seems like Coach Drinkwitz, more than you or I before hearing this from him, is adamant that it, it seems like from our perspective, the experience factor is weighing way more into his decisions at the quarterback spot than we would think makes sense from the outside. Yeah, I think it just has everything to do with uh, this year needing to be it. And you know, I don't know. He threw Connor Bazelak in there pretty quickly. He made he I mean, he's shown he he'll make changes at the drop of a hat. Um, you know, he took Brady Cook out against Kansas State last year. I, that game was in the toilet already at yeah. that point. But And having this competition go right up until kickoff of game one, I think, gives Drinkwitz the ability to make a switch yeah. without being questioned too much. Yeah. I just think there is something appealing, though, about being able to, to watch an entire season of Brady Cook last year and be like, well, if he just did this, if he just did this, like, we would have won that game. If yeah. he just completed literally... Three percent more of these deep passes, are we at eight or nine wins? And so I think that's kind of this tantalizing aspect of just trotting Brady Cook back out there is, uh, you know, it, there's like this very uh, tangible, like he could just do this, yeah, and it'll be, yeah, it could be good just enough. This little step forward. Yep. Uh, is it's so funny because you could look at a stat line and really have no idea what that equates to as far as wins and losses. Cause I could see Brady cook, you know, completing 65% of his passes again for like 3000 yards, 20 touchdowns. That's four more touchdown passes than last year. 
rushing for another 500 yards and five to seven touchdowns. And uh, we that still is not necessarily equating to automatically, you know, nine wins. Yeah. But I feel like if I told you that Sam Horn did that, you'd be like, oh, man, yeah, now we're talking. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just uh, it's frustrating for us and probably all the fans just that this sort of intangible aspect of experience is weighing so much into this. Yeah, I I 100% agree. And, you know, uh, I guess there's part of me that's like the conspiracy theory in me is thinking that it is all about just this season and... Um, I don't know that, you know, some of the things he's saying publicly is misdirection and, um, that he kind of knows what he wants to do. But, um, but I mean, look at the running back room. I mean, look at the other positions. Experience is winning out. Yeah. Except for maybe like Luther Burden last year or something, which they had no choice but to play him. So, um, I don't know, man, it's, there's just, it's very ambiguous situation. I still, I don't, I don't know that they know what they're going to do. Who takes the first snap at quarterback game one? Brady Cook. Who takes the most snaps at quarterback all season? Brady Cook. Okay. I, I think so. I think that I'm, I think I'm with you there. I don't know what uh I don't know what Sam Horn could do that he hasn't already done that would sway the the competition either way. I'd love to be wrong. And I'd love for Sam Horn to get in there and, and get us to, to eight plus wins. And because that just sets up the future of Missouri football. And here's, I mean, here's the thing. You want to play for this year, or you want to play for the future. And I think that's kind of the difference here because Brady Cook probably gets us to the baseline that we want to meet this year. Sam Horn might still do that and also could, could be better. Yeah. And I think the future of Missouri football looks really bright in this moment because of what we're doing on the recruiting trail the talent that's in the wide receiver room like I think you want to be able to say this is the quarterback that's going to be throwing you the ball like I think if Sam Horn goes out there and is even decent to be able to say that to Ryan Wingo like you're gonna be playing with this guy for probably two or more seasons like I don't know man I think there are there are larger benefits to um outside of just win loss to getting Sam Horn on the field sooner rather than later unless he's bad Unless he's bad, which we have no idea. We didn't think about that. He could be bad. Uh, And you have one of the best defenses in the country returning, we will talk about next week. And that factors into this decision, too, because maybe you don't want to take a risk here. You've got one of the best defenses. you got solid um, skill position players. It's weird that I almost think that's one of the biggest factors, at least in my mind when I'm thinking about it, when you make your decision. I'm thinking about the rest of the team rather than Brady Cook versus Sam Horn. Yeah. And maybe that's not the right way to to, to uh, approach the decision. Uh, for as much talking as Drinkwitz does, he uh, these quarterback decisions he he leaves us hanging on uh, his thought process quite a bit. And if I'm going to be completely honest, he hasn't done a great job picking the right guy. Right, at least past. for game one. At least for game one. All right, so that is the offense. I would say. T- as nebulous as the quarterback situation is, cautious optimism, you know, uh, a few of these players taking the next step, relying on Luther Burden, getting him the ball as much as possible. It shouldn't matter too much who the quarterback is. We should have a solid baseline on offense that is going to make some plays, score some points, convert those field goal tries to touchdowns, a 
few times, yeah. and um, we're not going to have to worry too much about this offense. Yep, I think it's going to be better. I think it's Offensive be, line play is going to be improved. Offensive line, but better. Wide receivers, better, maybe. Uh, offensive coordinator, better. Brady Cook at least won't be injured. There you go. So, okay. That's the offense. We're drinking the Kool-Aid. Yep. Let us know what you think in the comments. We will be back to preview the defense. We'll have uh, recruiting decisions to talk about. Hopefully good. At least one of them, please. I'm begging you. (laughs) Um, Other than that, uh, I think that's it. That's it. All right. So... Special thank you to the Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Arsel, Brandon Groffler, Brandon Hanks, and Matthew Tilly. Thank you. Thank you so much, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod. And you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop. MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com Enjoy Canada. Oh, thanks. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.